Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Welcome to my living room. Welcome to my living room. Because I'm really going to be sitting and I'm going to be talking this morning. And, um, oh, sit, do I need a pad on this chair? No, I, think, I think I'm okay. You know, you get older and it's just, well, whatever, let's not get into that. Um, and all this gadget and all this stuff here. Well, I guess every time, if you're somebody who's called to speak to the body of Christ, I guess every time you get up, uh, at least most times when you get up to speak, you think this is the most important message I have ever ever brought. But today, I know this is the most important message I've ever brought. Um, some people may have heard um, a degree of this. Um, I, wanted, I want you to know, those of you who are part of the fam, those of you who haven't jumped in, not sure if you want to be part of the fam yet, um, I want you to know that what I'm going to be sharing about this morning is really what caused Joe and Linda Lecce, uh at the ripe old ages of maybe early 30s, I guess, but well, maybe late 20s, early 30s, to... Uh, decide that the top priority of our life would be to give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. To him and to the building of his church. And some of the things I'm going to tell you today, great thanks to people like Lance Lambert, Stephen Kong, uh, men of such stature. Um, Stephen was the Timothy to Watchman Nee, if you've ever heard of Watchman Nee and his books. But after we, the Lord, became real to us, God started to show us some things about what the church was about. And I can tell you that how many years later, Joe? It's almost 30 something. 30-something years later, probably. We know the Lord 40 years, so 30-something years later. It has been the motivation. It is the thing that has kept us standing and believing God and standing unmoved, unmoved in this place. Many times when things and... um, Things looked really dark, and everything in us wanted to, you know, get up and say, who needs this? Frankly, Joe was already an administrator in the school district. Uh, We had a nice home and three great kids. And the thought of, you know, sacrifice and giving our lives to something... uh, it had to be something really good. It had to be something really good. I mean, it had to be something that caught these two kids. 
And I want to tell you today that after all these years, and, and some, I've got some seasoned saints in here, and I know that you feel the same way. I'm echoing your testimony as well. There hasn't been one moment when we have ever were sorry that we ever took the journey that we have been on for the many years that we have been in leadership among the people of God. We sang a song a few minutes ago that said, um, how did it go? I am a flower quickly fading. Yeah, yeah. All you, you know, I know all of you 30s and 40s guys and 50s guys. You're all sat down. I'm a flower quickly fading. I know it doesn't mean anything to you. But for some of the rest of us around here, we realize how true you are a flower quickly fading. And the life that you and I have is a brief time in this life to totally and completely influence your eternal life. It's done right here. And so... I think we all have heard that before, but I'm praying, and my prayer team, my faithful prayer team partners who pray for me all the time, pray for you all the time, pray, pray for the will of God to be done. There are some people in this room whose lives should be changed, and I mean that not because I'm the speaker by any means, in spite of the fact that I'm a speaker. But I will tell you as well, there was a day in my life that the Lord Jesus Christ became real to me. I saw him with not these eyes, but another set of eyes. And I got on my knees and said, oh my God, you're real. That changed everything for this woman. I got up a different woman, never looked back, as I said. But there was another time. I was reading a book by Watchman Nee who talked about the body of Christ, the church. And he, in that book, he went on to say, if you want to be, how, how, do, I, how do I want to put this? The greatest thing that you can do with your life is not only to give your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, but to give your life for the building of his church. And there was a day I did that. Little did I know what was awaiting me for that journey. A few weeks ago, James, Pastor James, got up here and started to talk to you about the book of Nehemiah. And I told you last week when I, we did the table, I did the table for a few minutes, I told you that I almost ripped the mic out of his hands. It was hard not to. Because the whole, the, the story and the, um, the uh, message, the symbolism uh, in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, two chronicles, are the basis of what this church began and the basis of the hooks that got Joe and me. As we started to see, by revelation, 
hopefully a little bit of what this church is all about and what he is doing in this generation. You know, we know the story. We think we've brought you up a little bit on Nehemiah. You know that he was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. And the children of Israel were now in captivity in Babylon. And now there has been two, two times that there, has been, there have been a group of people that have, by the permission of the king, they have gone back to Jerusalem. Remember now, Jerusalem's burned. It's in, it's in total ruin. God told the children of Israel. If they continue to disobey, he would have to allow their enemies to overrule them. And that's exactly what happened. And so Jerusalem, the place where God's name was, the place on this earth that God chooses for himself, lay in total and complete ruin. And the children of Israel, as I said, are scattered. They're in captivity. They're in Babylon. But as we also told you, life wasn't so bad in Babylon. In fact, the Jews, with the blessing of God on their lives, they started to ascend quickly. They were much involved in commerce. They were comfortable. They had good jobs. They were, they were a group that was recognized, actually, by the Babylonian government that actually uh, there was an affinity. And there's actually, life was pretty good for the Jews there. And so two, two groups of people had gone over to go back with permission from the king to rebuild the temple. Would anybody be terribly offended if I took my shoes off? Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much. In my living room, I can do whatever I want, right? So now, two groups have gone back to rebuild Jerusalem. They have, they have now rebuilt the altar. They have uh, rebuilt the temple. And now word gets back to Nehemiah. Again, he's the cupbearer of the king. High, you know, he's, he's top of the top. He's the right-hand man to the king. And so now Nehemiah gets word again, and he says, word comes to him, and he says, how, how are things? How are they going? How are they going? And they say, oh, Nehemiah, you know, there's this temple... You know, we've got the temple really built, but the, the city is in ruin. There's no, the walls are burned. There's nothing but stone and debris, and there's enemies everywhere. And Nehemiah, you know, wept. He wept, and he cried, and there was something that happened in Nehemiah's heart that said, I can't live with this. Okay, hold on. This is where I want to go, and this is the parallel I want to make. He could have stayed in Babylon, comfortable with everything he needed. Listen, many of the Jews stayed in Babylon. The percentage was very small who decided that, you know what? We, have may, we may have gotten what we want, but God has not gotten what he wants. 
Brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us that the Old Testament is there for an example to us, an admonition to us, instruction to us. Everything in the Old Testament is a story and a picture, and, and, and it is God uh, telling us something. And I want to tell you that we have lived in an abnormal church for so long that even as I begin to tell you this morning that the church is in captivity, the church is not the, the organism that the Lord Jesus wants it to be. It's not in its fullness. But even as I say that, i got to battle powers because most of us don't know anything else about the church. This is all we've ever known. And we're like, what are you talking about? This is the church. I, I come here, I, you know, on Sunday. I, I have some good friends. I, I do this. I give myself to this. I, this is what we think church is. So we're, 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 for someone to tell you that we're in captivity, hang on with me, Okay. So there were a group of people. The Bible says God stirred the hearts of the people. And I love to go over the genealogy of the people and the families. I could weep because God left, he put every name of every person who cared about Jerusalem, who cared about him getting what he wanted. God made sure that in his word, in this record that will stand for eternity, every single name will be recorded. That this person cared about him. Brothers and sisters, you know, most of you know, you know, we're, about, we're having our seventh grandchild. Thank you very much. We didn't do too much for it, but... You know, I was going to put a picture of all of them up there, and you could all tell me how great, good-looking they all are. I know, I know how good-looking they are. This is what I want to say to you. You do something for one of my grandkids. You touch my heart. Th- those people have my heart. You know, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Grandparents, raise your hands. You, you all know what I'm talking about. The, the, the day could have been rotten. You know, uh, Joe could have gotten on my nerves. Very rare, but it does happen. Joe could have gotten on my nerves, you know, uh, you know, it could be a, a, a rough day in every way, the weather could stink, and let one of those little faces walk in my house. And really, the rest of you parents, you don't even know what I'm talking about. We never liked you as much as we liked them. <laughs> All the grandparents, like, woo! It was worth it, though, to, to, to take care, to, to get here, guys. We had to get through you. We had to do it. I say this to say, when somebody cares about your heart, what, can, what, what more can somebody give you than when somebody cares about the people you love most? That's how... God feels. I want to try right now to start. I'm going to do the first one, the eternal purpose, Rachel. I want to start this morning. Yeah, there we go. By trying to lift the vision. I'm going to call these vision Sundays. And every once in a while, I'm going to kick out these gorgeous, handsome men up here. And I'm going to come up here, I hope. And I I want to, um, I want to do this. Let me read you this. 
Ephesians 3, 8. To me, Paul says, who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God may be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, this is what, if you've never seen this, if this is a new concept to you, this should change your life right now. Okay, what do we have here? Right to our left, we've got eternity past. Okay, let me, just stay, let me just talk for a minute about eternity past. You know, Genesis tells us that the Godhead had a, they had a discussion, and this was their conclusion. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let's make him male and female. Okay, I know that. But do you know, that? do you understand that before creation, in this eternity past, do we understand that there's something in the heart of God that envisioned a human being, human beings, and said, we will give all to create them and get them and Share our very life with them. Make them in our image. Make them in the image of God. Yes. 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 I cannot tell you why. I can only tell you that this happened. I don't understand. But God, after he created the the. the the sun and moon and stars and ocean and the planet and all. This was all to make a habitat for the, for the creation that he was, they were longing to make. Someone to share their very life with. Creation passed. And so we step into Genesis and we see the creation. And we see, oh, interesting. We see the spirit brooding over the earth, brooding. Couldn't get his feet down, couldn't, couldn't find his rest, but he's brooding over the earth. When do we see that again? I'll tell you. You see it again twice. You see it again when the Lord Jesus Christ is in the River Jordan and he comes up out of the water and the Spirit comes down and, and alights on the, on, on the Messiah and says, finally, there's rest. We can rest in this, in this God-man, finally. Then we don't see that again until the very end of the revelation. We're going to see that in a minute, where we see the Spirit of God finally says, well, let me tell you now, the very end, and I'm going to need the table up a little further. Brothers, would you do me a favor? I'm afraid of hitting it. We see in the revelation at the end that the Spirit and the bride say, come. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about that. But suffice it to say, the Spirit has been looking for its rest, and it longs to rest in people. 
we'll, get, we'll cover that further as well. So here we go. God created man in his image with this amazing desire, this desire that, he would, that he, they would share life with, with human beings, that there would be oneness with the very Godhead. I want to say part of God himself, and it would be blasphemous if the Bible didn't say it itself, but that's what the Bible says. We're his body, part of God himself. Never taken the unique place of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but as a church, we have no idea where we have the redeemed of God have been called. And so now we see and we know, we know the story in Genesis. We know that there was sin in the garden. We know that Adam and Eve sinned and turned their back on God and decided to be independent. They listened to the serpent and we have what we all know is called the fall of man. Now, uh, obviously, the cross is there because now God's purposes have totally been waylaid. What did they do? Scrap the whole thing and say, let's, you know what? This isn't working. Let's, let's just scrap this and do it again this time. Maybe hope they, they you know, this next, let's do another couple. Maybe they won't be, maybe they won't sin. I mean, what, how many things can you think of that God could have done? Do you think that he could have thought of something other than becoming man himself and taking our sin and becoming a man and dying on the cross and giving all he had? Do you think he could have thought of something else other than that? I think if I were God, I would have found some other thing, don't you? But he became sin itself. He became man itself. And he went to a cross to redeem a people for himself. Because God... Hard to understand. God wants to give a helpmate, a, a, a companion to his son. In Genesis, you see Adam and Eve. You see God put Adam to sleep and out of his side, he made woman. This is a picture. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, this is a picture of Christ in the church. As Christ was asleep on the cross, he brought his side, blood and water came out of his side and through that, res- through that redemption and through that cross, it opened the door now again for his bride to come. The people that would love him and share his life, their life with him. So God had to redeem. You see the thread all through the scriptures. The redemption. You see the redeemer. You see redemption. And you see, you see the redeemed. But that, my brothers and sisters, is where most of Christianity stops. We live as though that was God's purpose. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He frees us. And hallelujah. Never want to downplay. Don't ever hear me downplay the cross or the justification or justificate the work of justification by the Lord Jesus But brothers and sisters, that was done. Do you see? That was done to get you and me back up in sync with his eternal purpose. You know, you may be sitting here today and saying, you know, I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. You know, I don't want to be tepid. I don't want, you know, so I try to commit myself. I, I try to do better, but I really, I want to tell you, 
that most people's problem is our vision is we don't have any vision. If all our vision is this is it, you know, we join a church, we show up to a few meetings, maybe hopefully, maybe two a week, whoa, you know, maybe we pay some money or we, you know, we, we join a ministry, and that's all good. But we act like, and then we die, and then, uh, uh, what? You know, huh? And most people think we, most people think that this amazing human, human God-man, brothers and sisters, <laughs> shake your head. Look at the world he created. Do you think, I mean, can you imagine what he has in store for those, the Bible says we can't even imagine. It hasn't been put in the heart of man what God has in store for those who love him. But he does reveal it by his spirit. But only in very small doses. I want to tell you, this God of ours is so exciting. He is so dynamic. He is so amazing that just being near him and with him Believe us, there'll be no other. We won't care about anything else. We were made for him. We were saying this morning, this morning, we're made for worship. We were made to love him. And that's why your life so often seems so crappy. Did I just say that? <laughs> Dear Lord. Because there's something in your heart that knows you were made for something so much more than this life that you're living. And it's not your husband's fault. And it's not your wife's fault. And it's not because you have to lose 10 pounds or you didn't finish college or all the things that we think. If I just had, if you had more money in the bank, all those things would not make a difference in your heart. You would always know I was made for something better than this. But this is a short time. I love to say it this way. Jesus is looking to find out who his friends are. Listen, where are we going? Back to God's eternal purpose. It wasn't just to redeem us. We didn't get saved just so that... We got saved because we have a calling. We got saved because God has dynamic... I'll tell you, you think that, oh, you're a photographer or you're an artist and you think you haven't even touched what God wants to do with you. We have no idea. You ever look at a sunset or you looked at the landscape and recently we were in Italy in a, in a place called Positano and honestly, if, I, if you took me there and said, this is heaven, I would say, wow, oh, wow, yeah. I, I mean, it's that gorgeous. But I want to tell you, it's nothing compared to the new heaven and the new earth that is on its way, brothers and sisters. And a Christian without this in their heart, a Christian without understanding any of this, is a Christian that doesn't understand why they can't get their Christian life off the ground. Now, if that hasn't blown you out a little bit, let me blow you out of the water with this, thanks to... Lance Lambert, would you do those next slides, please, for me? It's amazing. The book of the Revelation. Don't look there yet. First look at me. The book of the Revelation. 
was not a part of the scriptures till the fourth century. For three centuries, there was big discussion about it. It was tagged on to the end of the Gospels. Uh, it was tagged on to uh, maybe Acts, I don't remember clearly. But there was unsurety as to where the book of the Revelation went. And finally, it was decided, of course, by the Spirit of God, that it would be put directly followed the absolute the 66th book it would be the the last book of the sacred canon oh wow what a coincidence what a surprise it's just a happenstance just a coincidence you watch with me why do i say it like that because look at this i'm going to stand back here in genesis you've got what the creation of heaven and earth and in the last chapter in revelation the last few chapters you have the new heaven and the new earth. In Genesis, you got paradise lost. In Genesis, I mean in Revelation, you have paradise regained. In Genesis, you have Satan enter. In Revelation, you've got Satan cast out forever. In Genesis, you've got the earth cursed. In Revelation, it says there is no more curse. It's gone. In Genesis, there's the creation of man and woman, Adam and Eve. In Revelation, we see a redeemed people, too many to even count. In the, in the Genesis, we see a garden. In the Revelation, we see a garden and a, that is a city. In Genesis, we see the tree of life. In Revelation, we see the tree of life. Go to the next one. In Genesis, we see the river of life. In Revelation, we see the river of life. In Genesis, we see God walking in the midst. In Revelation, he's not walking and visiting anymore. God's dwelling in the midst of the people. In Genesis, you see an earthly marriage. In Revelation, you see the marriage supper of the Lamb has come. It's the wedding feast. In Genesis... Well, we could spend a whole day talking about the gold, onyx stone, and bedelia. You see those precious stones in Genesis. You see as the river, if you follow the river in Genesis, it takes you and it tells you, it takes you to these gold and onyx stone and bedelia. But in the Revelation, when you see the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, you see that it's made out of pure gold, gold that's so transparent you can see through it. Gold and precious stones and pearl. In Genesis, you have pain and sorrow and death entered the world. In the Revelation, no pain, no mourning, no death. In Genesis, you see time ushered in. In Revelation... You see eternity ushered in. In Genesis, you see the spirit brooding. I said this already. In Revelation, you see the spirit and the bride stay calm. Do you think that's just by accident? You take those few chapters, the two, two and a half chapters in Genesis, you take the last chapters in the Revelation, there's no sin, there's no curse. It's just those few chapters. And, in the, and all in the, the rest of it is redemption to get us back to God's eternal purpose. Now, 
I don't know about you, but when I see this, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that it wasn't in the canon, the sacred canon, for till the fourth generation. So here we go. Nehemiah, his heart's broken because he wants to see. See the Old Testament saints see any of this stuff? Well, you know Abraham. It says he saw. He what is the exact wording? Uh, Abraham, the city. What does it say? Where my Old Testament gone? Jack, Chris, what does it say? And say and Abraham. What did it say? He saw it. Does it say he saw it? That's the verb I'm looking for. He saw a city. That's right. He saw a city with foundations whose builder and maker was God. Brothers and sisters, that was not the earthly Jerusalem. That was the new Jerusalem. You know, <clears throat> okay, so we also see that the Lord was visiting them in Genesis, and we see that in the Revelation, he's not visiting anymore. He's dwelling with them. Okay. We've got to really get a hold of this. Now, do you understand? Uh, uh, when I say that, please, I don't mean that in a condescending way. It's just the way I'm kind of wording it. But we've got to understand, again, that God's goal, God's heart, is to live among people. And the new, when the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, it's amazing. It's, it, she's called the, the wife of the lamb, and it's called the city of God. Do you understand that the Lord Jesus is not going into eternity alone? He is finally entering eternity with a bride that he has waited a long, a many-membered bride he has waited a very long time for. Now let me ask you, and, and the men in this, our brothers here, would you want to marry a 10-year-old? Would you want to marry, as lovely as a 10-year-old would be, who, what man would want to marry a 10-year-old? I say this because the Lord Jesus is looking for that companion that understands his heart, that has the same, that has been through some of the same things that he has been through, that they can share their hearts with one another. Listen, you're not just saved. Just so, okay, you, you made it out of hell. Isn't that great? God's phenomenal plan for your life is more than you and I could even possibly imagine. And honestly, the more you see it and the more revelation you get, you will be like Nehemiah and you will weep when you see, uh, you'll see yourself and you'll see the church around you settle for such a little tiny bit of what God wants to give us and to do. Brothers and sisters, church, even the word church, remember this. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Actually, it started with him saying, who to, apparently his disciples were saying, you know, people are saying, you know, 
you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah. And Jesus is having a conversation with him, and he says, um, mm, mm, yeah, I heard that. Um, Peter, who do you say that I am? Remember? And Peter says, um, Lord, you're the Christ. You're, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember? Jesus' response is, Jesus' response is, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, you need a revelation of what I'm talking about today. I need a greater revelation of what I'm talking about today. Will you settle for a lack of revelation in your life? You see, so many of us just have head knowledge and some intellect, and we can sit around and we can discuss this. Oh, yes, I know that, and yes, I understand that. But I want to tell you something. You, we, can we can find out the people who really get it because like Nehemiah, it will influence your life. I want to tell you, if you get a picture, if, you, if God starts to burden you to show you what the church really means to him, brothers and sisters, it should, it should absolutely revolutionize our lives. It should be the top priority of our If God, that's what you're doing in my generation, I want to be a part of it. If you knew that was true today, what would stop you from hooking your train up to that train? I mean, I don't want to get there and find out I was saved and I knew the Lord, but he had a whole, he had a whole program going on in my generation. He was building his church and I just gave it a little nod and that was, I don't want to find out because I want to tell you something that would also take me two more Sundays to talk about. Where do you think this, this gold and precious stones, where do you think that's coming from? Where do you think he's, that's coming from to build the new Jerusalem? I don't even have time to read you all the scripture verses. You can build with wood, hay, and stubble, Paul said, or you can build with gold and precious gems. I want to tell you where the precious gems and the gold comes from. Gold is always a picture of the life of God. Precious gems are things that come out of the darkness and have to be mined, and it's difficult to get them. And this is what makes the new Jerusalem. And I want to tell you, for those who will hear me today and those who will respond to God's spirit, I want to tell you something. He is looking for gold out of your life and he is looking for gold out of the city on a hill. He is looking for that gold and those stones and that is going to be part of the material that he's making the new Jerusalem out of. He wants the gold of his son's life in you. Now I'm going to say something. I know I'm going to confuse you. Some people are just, I may just sidetrack you, but I've got to tell you this. There's only one thing God wants from you. One, he wants to see his son in you. He's not interested in your good works. He's not interested in your nice temperament. He's not interested in all the, all the good that's in you. He isn't interested. It's natural. He took everything that was natural to the cross and crucified it. What God wants is to see his son. That's where the gold comes from. You know what I mean? I mean, you can have a, a person right here who is very patient by nature, patient and kind by nature, gene pool. And then you can have somebody over here who's so impatient by, by nature, and quick to be, quick to temper, uh, quick to uh, maybe not... Kindness isn't even something that comes easy. And you say, well, surely God, this is the one God would care the most about, and this one, of course not. And I want to tell you, 
That's crazy thinking because God's not interested in your kindness from your natural life. But if this person goes to the cross and lets God deal with them and they become changed in the image of Christ, that's gold. And God says, that's my girl. Is that shocking to some of you? Is that shocking? God wants gold. He, we're city on a hill. City, the city that's being built. We're city on a hill. City that, uh, uh, city that cannot be hidden. Brothers and sisters, we see in the revelation, we, th- this is what I'm going to say and I'm going I'm to end here because I, I could stay here for three more hours. In the revelation, it starts out with Jesus walking among seven lampstands. And it's quite clear. He tells you the names. These are seven literal churches that were there in the first century when he, after he was crucified. And he gives you, gives you the names Laodicea, Smyrna, Pergamon. He, these are real places. And then he says, and, and these, these seven lampstands are there. What's the lampstand to do? The lampstand's holding up the light. Just like Jesus was the light that entered the world. And the darkness hated it. You see, the life of God is always light. It's light in a dark world where there's lies and illusions. And, and where there's a lit Christian or a lit church, it should be, it's a lampstand that holds up the light. And people should be able to see clearly. And they should see. It's a place where God meets man. It's a church to be the place where man meets God and God meets man. You see, brothers and sisters, the church isn't an organization. It's an organism. It has one life like this plant. One life. It goes through seasons together. This is, this is a, an organism where everything happens from inside and works its way out. You don't, you don't put on some uh, flowers and tie them on. If flowers come, they're going to come from inside, right? This is a vase of cut flowers where every, every flower has its own individual distinct life. We think so often, this is called church. Okay, we're a church now. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to run it. This is what it's going to be like. And God is saying, listen, I'm head of the church it isn't a church, isn't a place that man run. I run the church. I am still the head of the church. And we need the life of God, brothers and sisters. We don't just decide to do things around here. We go to God and say, God, what do you think about this? Is this what you're saying to us? You've got to do things by life in the real church. And so you say, we really should be doing more evangelism. But if life hasn't risen up at that point and the, there aren't burdened people to do it, then don't even bother because you're doing it out of a should and out of a law and there's no life to do it. If there's one thing this church stands for, I don't know how God looks at us, but I don't want to be a cut flowers. I want to be, a, I didn't give my life for cut flowers and individuals. I want to tell us individualism is killing us in America in the church. We're all individual. You stay out of my life, I'll stay out of your life. And I'll say hello and you say hello. And I'll tell you what I want you to know. And, and I want to tell you the wall around Jerusalem was family after family after family. Building that wall. One stone next to another. Being shaped. Ow! Ooh, get away from me. Ow! What's wrong with you? You don't tell God who you want to be put next to. But I want to tell you something. Even to have Jen get up today and say, we need people. 
to get in there for the Sunday school. I want to tell you, God's already put it on people's hearts, Jen. God never is where he always raises up what's needed. I'm going to tell you something, and God help me. I don't mean this with the slightest bit of pride. Dear God, if I do, I don't know another church where the next generation is being raised up like, like this church. When I, we tell other pastors, they're flabbergasted. Do you know why? We've, it's our vision. It's what we believe. We are the church. God will give us what we need. God will, he'll bring the functions we need. He'll give us, he's, he's a life. There's a life here. It's not us doing church with that. Like he's back there and he's in heaven and we're here to do the best we can. The church, God, he's the Lord of the church. And I want to tell you, if you miss out, if you are a Sunday churchgoer, and I shouldn't even, use, I need to change the way I'm using church. You know, I left my pocketbook in the church. No, you can't. That would mean leaving your pocketbook in me. We are the church. This is a building that houses us. Oh, God. God said, God said to the children of Israel, will you build me a sanctuary? Will you build me a sanctuary? I mean, he's so desperate. He loves human beings so much, it's enough to make you break your heart and cry. And then he said, why do you think David was God's, after God's own heart? Because David said, I won't sleep till I build him a house. I want to build God a house. I want him to have a place where he's at home. Brothers and sisters, why do you think there's furniture around here? Why do you think we go out of our way not to look like an assembly hall? Because this is the meeting place of the family of God. This is not an organization. This is not an assembly hall. This is a family. And you walk in and you decide whether you're going to be a part of that life of the family. We, can't, we, we have no right to tell people, you come in, you don't come in. Do you, do you fit this qualification? If you belong to the Lord, you belong to us. Sorry, but there's no title after our name that's got a doctrine on it. There's no doctrine attached. The church of Jesus Christ, and God forbid, I have to tell you, I go a little crazy. Some of the best ministries in America today, and you hear it's blank blanks church. It's this guy's church, and it drives me crazy. You can have a ministry with your name on it, but you better not have a church with your name on it because the church doesn't belong to anybody else but the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only star. He's the only superstar in this church. And that's the foundation of this of the people that started to meet here in 1975. We want the foundation to be just Jesus Christ. That's why when we have an open church meeting, yeah, open church meeting. Where are some of you? Where are you? Oh, do you understand that the journey when they left Babylon to get to Jerusalem to, to, to rebuild the city, do you understand we're doing that at open church? Do you know why? Because open church is saying we believe in the body and we get together and we put the table in the middle and that's our way of saying, Lord, you're in the middle. No man, no pastor, you. And we believe that the Lord's going to move through his body. And he does. And that's part of us leaving Babylon to come back to Jerusalem and build according to the pattern. You see, I get pretty worked up about it. The wall in Nehemiah's day, I told you, is relationship. 
It was family after family after family. You have a spot on the wall to build. If you have come to join the life of this, if you feel that you're a part of the life of this church, there's no place to sign. We don't take written membership. If you feel that God's called you here by life to this family, then we, we embrace you. And if you don't, we pray that you find a place because I want to tell you something. The overcomers in the beginning of the revelation, your overcoming is directly resulting and directly tied in with your relationships with your brothers and sisters in the church God puts you in. In Ephesians, I read before, God's eternal purpose. The greatest heights of the word of God is in Ephesians. And Paul takes us up into the heavenlies and that we're, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And he talks about things that angels are, are, are astounded by. And then he comes down. And oh, by the way, husbands and wives, children, parents, he comes down to practical. Listen, what I'm telling you, People want to say, oh, you know, Linda, I don't know. You know, this stuff is so ethereal. I, you know, it's all. So I want to tell you, people that see this are the most practical people in the world. People that see this, you cannot give your life. If you're still dangling around just at the, at the loop where the fall took place, if that's all Christianity is to you, how could you have vision and passion? But I want to tell you something. If you can see that all of your eternal Reward and place and function is dependent on how your relationship. Listen, I didn't bring Cloud Townsend in here for emotion and Pete Scazzaro for emotionally healthy spirituality just so we could all be happier. I did it because your relationships are the most important thing in your life. Next, starting with your relationship with God, your relationship with the people around you, and listen. Who are the people who are going to let God start dealing with you? you got people to go up to and tell you sorry to. you got people to go up and say, you know what? Uh, I've been offended at you for a long time and I haven't told you and I run the other way every time I see you. I want to tell you this is the place and this is the time. It's now on this earth that we learn the principles of the kingdom because nobody's getting in that kingdom that is not somebody who has been already seen i don't know how god's going to divvy it up some people say some people say you know what certain people will be part of the bride be part of the wife but they won't be part of the bride because he's only coming for those that are ready i don't know i don't have a clue but i'll tell you one thing it does something to me it energizes me i say god i haven't walked with you all these years to, to blow it now. I want to be one that knows you. When I see you, I want you to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We were building together, Linda. I don't want to be one of the people that stayed in Babylon that stayed comfortable. Comfortable in Babylon. They had everything they needed. Didn't, God's heart didn't matter. I know this is a lot to throw at some people who probably maybe have never heard such things. But I'm, I'm trusting God for it because I know it's the truth. In my, it's my opinion. It's so much the truth for me. I would never have laid my life down if I didn't see something bigger than just a, you know, let's go build a church and we'll all go and be nice to each other. And I want to tell you something, and I really am going to close. This is my really third closing, but I'm, by four I usually get there. 
I would never have laid my life down for what most of us consider church. I want to tell you something. When you left Babylon to go to Jerusalem, you took a very dangerous journey. And you know what? Joe and I took a very dangerous journey with some of you in this room being a part of that group. You know what? People told us we were crazy. People told me I was a woman and I should sit down. I mean, I want to tell you, we had enemies. You, you see in the book of Nehemiah, they had to build and fight and build and fight and build and fight getting that wall up. And I want to tell you something. Some of you are just not in the fight. Some of you aren't even cooperating with the building. I'm telling you that if you're hearing the spirits called, it's you got to build and you got to fight. Music people, come on up. You got to build and you got to fight. Because I want to tell you, listen to me, listen to me. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. I'm more interesting. Listen to me. Please look at me for two more minutes. We can attest to you that all hell will come out to stop you from doing this. All hell will steal these words, as, as feeble as they may be. All of hell will want you to walk through that door and get right back to your life just the way it is and say, well, it was, it was interesting. I don't know if I agreed with some of the things she said, but I want to tell you, I don't care how old you are or how young you are. I want to tell you, my deepest desire is that some young people get on fire, lit by revelation. I would turn over in my grave if, I, if Joe and I had gotten to this point and the next generation didn't have any understanding and wound up settling for a vase. You know what? You know what? You know what? The problem is, most of the time, the vase looks so much better. I purposely made the vase flowers prettier than this. Because when you're working it out with each other, and you're living one life together, and you're being built together and rubbing each other, and you're understanding that you're building a habitation for God to dwell in. There's days, boy, you know. Oh, there were days. I, I can't tell you how many times... We got ready to sign our resignation, Joe. How many times? And I can tell you that God is so big, somehow he always intervened, picked up his tired and foolish and short-sighted children and loved us and breathed new life in us. Oh, I don't know what else to say to you. I, I, I want to say so much more because I want you to see it in the Word. It's all through the word. I implore you. I implore you. Do not settle for mediocre Christianity. Your whole eternity depends on it. And if you're in your 30s or 40s, you think life is, you think it's going to go like this for a very long, you think you're never going to get old and you never, I want to tell you, do it while you're young. Do it while you're young. Give your life to the Lord. Be serious about letting him get what he wants. Let, I want to tell you, the Lord said to me, Linda, you take care of my kids, and I'll take care of yours. And he has kept that bargain. He has kept that part of that covenant. There hasn't been one time God has not met us. I want to tell you, the Lord's eyes look to and fro over all the earth find one person whose heart 
is turned toward him. Who is that today in this room? Is there one person? Two people? We're not going to have the table today. We're going to sing a song, and then I'm going to open the altar. And I'm going to ask people to do business with God this morning. Maybe some people have to come up and say, maybe you don't know the Lord personally. Let us pray with you. We're going to open this. We're going to open this altar. And maybe some of you want to do business with God. Maybe some of you want to say, Lord, I'm not living like I'm supposed to, and I know it. Maybe some of you want to say, you know what? I've really taken my religion. I've kind of, you know, you know, we live in consumer America. And I'm afraid that people walking through church doors, they're consumers. Let's see, I like this, I don't like this. Let's give this a five. And th- Listen, listen, brothers and sisters, you're called to a geographic, uh, something in your geographic radius where you join with brothers and sisters that you did not choose. You can sit here all you want and tell me how much you love the Christians in China. But God says, oh, that's wonderful. But uh, how about the Christians in Middle Island? Maybe today you've heard God say something to you. Maybe you need to come up and you need to say, Lord, I never knew this. And I want to give my heart to you for the building of your church that you will have a dwelling place. I want you to get gold and precious jewels out of my life. And I and don't even look to your wife or your husband. Maybe they're not even ready to go, but you go. Don't look for them. You go. This is about you and God this morning. Take my word for it. If you do, you'll have some bad days, but ultimately you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Let's play play a song you think is appropriate. And as you do, my brothers, can we take this and remove this? Um, I don't know where you're going to put it. It's not my job. Um, But I'm going to open the altar. As this song is playing, this is the way we're going to receive the table today. Thank you, Ron. This is the way we're going to receive. We're going to come and do business with God today. Don't come up because you feel like you have to make the pastors happy or somebody else happy. You come up if your God has been talking to you this morning. If he hasn't, I free you. If you went to sleep, I just hope you didn't snore. Bless you. Lord Jesus, show off this morning. Show off. Lord, we want to see. You're such an amazing God. How could you be such an amazing creator and we sell you so short? You've got such a plan that when we all get around that throne and that day comes and, and you come down and put your feet down on the Mount of Olives as King, we're not going to talk about how hard it was. We're not going to talk about how bad a time we had. We're going to talk about how amazing you are, how phenomenal everything is that we see, how grateful we are that we didn't turn back, that we took the journey, that we believed you, and that we gave you our lives. Lord Jesus, show off this morning. Show off. Jesus Christ in this room right now. Oh, Father, see us. See us.
see our hearts. We want to work. We want to work with you. We want to see you get what you paid for, Lord. We want to see you get that dwelling place among people, people that share your life. We want to be a part of that new Jerusalem, oh God. Lord, don't let us chicken out. Don't let the devil's lies hold us back. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy over this church and I say you will get what you want in this place, Lord. You're going to get men and women who love you, who will live the crucified life. They'll lay their lives down that you might inhabit them, that you might use them in this world that we live in today, oh God. Oh, Father, we praise you. Oh, Father, we praise you. Oh, Lord, we need you. Oh, God, look at this altar. Look at these men and women crying out to you in their hearts, Lord. Oh, Father, Lord, for those in this place today that are in sin and they know they are, we ask you for new grace in their life to turn, Father. A spirit of repentance to flow in city on a hill, Lord. We pray that there'll be a turning around. We pray for the relationships in this place. We pray that they'll be real, Lord. We'll be vulnerable. We'll be transparent. We'll make real relationships in this place, oh God. And we're not going to run out the door as soon as somebody does something we don't like. Oh, Father in heaven. Lord, give revelation about your church. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.